One of my earliest memories of fear was when I was seven or eight years old and my uh, someone forgot to pick me up, I shouldn't say my mother, someone forgot to pick me up uh, at a baseball game. And I was only on the other side of town. I grew up in this city, but in the town of Aronicoid, I grew up kind of on the um, south side of town, kind of closer to the city line. And I was on the north side of town near the lake, which is not very far, but when you're seven or eight years old, uh, you know, it was like a, another um, world. And I had never um, really, other than maybe driven through, never really been there. This was, these were unfamiliar streets to me. And I can still remember all these years later, it was, I was not only in an unfamiliar place, right, all of a sudden I found myself, you know, as the minutes ticked by, I was in an unfamiliar place, but I had this feeling, I wasn't sure that I was going to get home, right? I mean, there was no, this was before the days of cell phones and kinds of things that we think about today, but I can remember this, this, um, a fear, let's say, first time, you know, in my young life, a fear unlike anything else I had ever experienced to that point in my life, right? I was in an unfamiliar place, I didn't know where I was, and I didn't know how to get home, or how I would get home. I think that feeling is very similar to what the disciples of Jesus had um, in the, the, the night before Jesus left them, after this great experience that went on for three years where they spent time listening to Jesus, you know, eating with Jesus, hanging out with Jesus. He sits them down. And in John's gospel, where we'll be for a few minutes this morning, it's um, this, what we call the Last Supper or the Upper Room Discourse. It actually lasts four chapters. So it's a long uh, time it takes up in the gospels. And Jesus has this discussion with his disciples. And in so many words, he says to them, listen, I'm leaving Right? I'm leaving this world and you're staying. Right? I'm leaving, you're staying. But there's something I want to give you before I go that I think will help you make, help you f- make your way in the world, help you navigate the world in my absence. Okay? John chapter 14, you have a copy of the Bible uh, or on your phone or in your lap. We'll read just verses 27 to 31, which is kind of in the middle of this discussion. Jesus and his disciples in the upper room the day before his arrest and crucifixion. Follow along in a message titled, The Context of Peace. John 14, 27, Jesus says these words. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. And he has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. What Jesus mentions a couple times in John 14 and once here in the words reread that, that he acknowledges the troubled heart of the disciples, he actually says a full statement that ends 
not only the, what we call the upper room discourse, it's in the end of chapter 16, but it really is the last words, at least in John's gospel, the last recorded words that Jesus speaks to his disciples, and these are the words. In this world, you will have trouble. Think about that. Jesus Christ is with his disciples, the closest people in his life, after uh, three years together in his ministry, um, they might not know it, but he knows within hours, you know, he will be arrested. Within hours after that, he will be hanging on a cross. And he says to his disciples, the last thing, in this world you will have trouble. Now, why does Jesus do that? It seems like an odd way to end your time with your disciples. But Jesus doesn't say that to depress the disciples. And I'm certainly not here on, you know, we begin the Christmas season trying to do the same with you and me. Jesus says these words to try to prepare his disciples, to try to encourage and help them to prepare themselves for the life that they're about to face in his absence. Something that's very important for us to keep in mind when we think about the Christmas story, which we're celebrating in a manner of speaking this month anyway. You know, God sent his son into the world, right? It was a great momentous event. People say history um, is, is pivots on the actual uh, coming of God into the world. And God sends, as you know, the angels to the shepherds and he announces this good news. You know, God is beginning something. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But it's important to keep in mind Especially as people who are perhaps, um, people ask a lot of questions to you and me about the Christian faith. That God sent Jesus in the world to inaugurate his kingdom, not to install his kingdom, right? You know, in other words, it was, it was, it was a beginning. It was an inauguration. But the kingdom of God, as we think about, you know, the lying laying down with the lamb, as we think about the world coming to rights, the end of all inequities, the end of all the wrongs being made right, where, the, where life is the way God designed it to be. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not what Jesus Christ came to do when he came. He came to inaugurate his kingdom. Right? In a sort of mysterious way, the parables, in the hearts and minds of his followers. But it's not until the second coming that the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. Right? Not in the first coming. That happens in the second coming. So this is what Jesus wants to say. Something great is beginning here. But guys, I want you to know something. For the rest of your natural lives to these disciples and for generations the gospel speaks to us in our natural lives until the second coming. In this world you will have trouble but if you open your life to my peace and you let that peace as Paul will say later rule in your hearts well then you can live a different kind of life. You can face your fears. You can live Uh, and overcome your fears do not let your hearts be troubled do not be afraid okay he said those words to people who were living in a troubled world it's very important for us even today here you know in our uh, 21st century christianity that we understand the difference between what the world offers when it comes to peace big subject and what god offers that's why jesus says this guys i want to give you peace but I don't give as the world gives, right? It's, it's very important we don't confuse these two. I think a lot of people in the world today are not in church today, they're not open to the message of Christianity because they have believed that the, the, the world's peace and God's peace are one and the same. There may be a lot of Christians 
who have not experienced the depth of faith that they could experience because they too, you too, me too, have confused the world's offering of peace in what it is that God offers as peace, right? They're two very different things. I do not give you as the world gives. Let me say this. As, a, as your pastor, as a pastor, I am all for world peace. And I mean that in the best sense of the term. I'm for the end of, of conflicts and our world is full of them. I'm for the end of pandemics and our world is experiencing one. I'm for the, the, the end of all inequities between people. I'm for um, you know, even the righting of the environmental wrongs in our life. And all of these things are things that we ought to, to some degree, you know, uh, work at. Some of us are involved. Some of us have an or in some of these organizations. That is to say, we're working for making the world a better place in one way or the other. And I applaud that. And as a church of Jesus Christ, we ought to have some involvement in Jesus' name. But let me say something very clearly that Jesus is saying, those things, the world is not gonna be set to rights in that way until Jesus Christ comes, Right? The the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of his Christ become his at the second coming. And so he's saying to his disciples, listen, we got work to do. And what I want to do is inaugurate the kingdom. And that kingdom is going to advance, not through legislation, not from city hall, but through the hearts and the minds of my people like you who understand what it means to live in a troubled world, to face their fears, not be overwhelmed by their fears, and go into the world and bring my peace, that is the peace of Christ, to other people. Okay? Jesus offers the same thing to you and me today. And it's important to keep this in mind. What is this peace, right? My peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. What is it, Rob? Well, Jesus is very, very clear. He, he doesn't just, it's not just an abstract concept. He's gonna demonstrate it right in the words that we just read. Listen very carefully. If you say, what is the peace of Jesus? Is, is it this uh, you know, squishy, you know, um, uh, abstract thing or what is it? No, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Now watch him demonstrate it. In these words, you could read all four chapters yourself, you, you basically see a, a, a Lord, Jesus, who is concerned for the hearts of his followers. He opens this chapter, I didn't read it, John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God and believe also in me. Many times in this four chapters, Jesus' heart is for his troubled disciples because he says to them, I'm leaving you. My job is almost done. They don't really understand what this means, but he wants to prepare their hearts and their hearts are filled with anxiety. And Jesus Christ, being the great Lord and Savior that he is, he's saying, listen, I love you guys. I love you ladies. I'm with you. I'm for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But he says that, okay? And that's what, they, that's what these other words are about. When he knows that within 24 hours or less, this is on Thursday, we believe, the upper room discourse, he will be arrested, he will be brutally beaten, and he will be crucified. He knows that. In fact, three times already in this gospel, if you guys know your gospels, already by the time you hear, Jesus has already looked his disciples in the face. They didn't fully understand it. It's like, you know, it was too overwhelming. It even says they did not understand. He said, guys, I want to tell you what's going to happen because I want to prepare your hearts. I care about you. I don't want you to be shocked, 
right? So I want you to know that before it happens that you'll believe. Verse 29, that's what he's saying to them. Listen, I want you to know something. These people are going to come and even names who they are. The rulers and the leaders, they're going to arrest me and they're going to kill me. Okay? Three times he said that. And not only did Jesus say that, but if Jesus knew his Bible, by that I mean the Old Testament, if Jesus knew his Bible, I think we believe he did, then Jesus knew the prophecies concerning the Messiah, right? And, you know, part of the larger Christmas prophecy in the book of Isaiah, many of them are from Isaiah, one of the most famous ones, the, the Handel's Messiah, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, right? And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That same prophecy, prophet, will also say in the great servant uh, songs, which Jesus would know, that that same little baby would grow up to be a man and he would be arrested and they would rip the beard from his face, Isaiah chapter 50. And they said he beat, they beat him so much that he was disfigured, Isaiah 52, and they could not recognize him. You know, I knew him yesterday, but after today I can't even recognize if this is still my friend because he was beaten so bad and disfigured. Jesus Christ knew that. When he said to his disciples, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. He said, listen, I have a peace that I want to give you. And that peace that I want to give you guys, ladies, friends, is not a peace that is dictated by external circumstances. Right? Because if my peace was, ex- was dictated by external circumstances, and I happen to know, and I've already told you three times, the road that I, there's a train coming full speed ahead of me right now. You don't see it, but I see it. And I've told you that three times. But I can look at you in the face with, with, with absolute calm and with an ability to be able to say to you, I love you, I don't want your hearts to be troubled, and this is the kind of peace that I want to offer you. It's not determined by external circumstances. Is that your peace and mine? It's not limited by internal fears. It is God's gift. It is supernatural. It's a peace that passes understanding, as Jason and Marissa just saying. And it can be yours and it can be mine if you open your life to it. This is what God offers in Jesus Christ in Christmas. In this world, you will have trouble, right? Jesus is a man of sorrows. That comes out of Isaiah 53. Acquainted with suffering and grief. But listen carefully. He was not a man of fears, okay? Jesus was a man of sorrows, right? Jesus had hard knocks, some real hard ones at the end, but he was never a man of fears. And he says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid, okay? In this world, you will have trouble. Second thing Jesus will say is, your sorrows may not diminish but your fears will, okay? This is, you know, uh, uh, a real uh, politic uh, preaching in a manner of speaking. Words, Jesus is being very honest, right? He's saying, listen, I don't wanna, I don't wanna sugarcoat um, the message of Christianity or confuse it. God has, God has bringing a kingdom. The, wor- the kingdom of this world will become the, the kingdom of our Lord and in his Christ. Thy kingdom come will be done on earth. The day is gonna come, friends, when the way God has organized life is the way that we're going to experience life, but it's not yet today. In this world, you will have trouble, 
but I want to give you a resource that's going to help you face your fears, not be limited by your fears, to be able to overcome your fears and demonstrate my kingdom through the way that you live your life and the way we experience our community. Your sorrows may not diminish. You and I will have more in this life, but your fears will. I have a pastor friend that I like, and he said this once. He said, you know, there's a lot of people, it's a common belief people have in the world. Think about the people you know, maybe your own life too, uh, prior to coming to faith. He said, the people think that if you move away from God, you move away from your fears, right? In a, whole, in a sense, you could say the whole world is running from God. I'm talking about non-Christians. They don't want to talk about God because they assume it's wrong thinking. They don't know the great grace of God. They don't really understand the gospel for what it is. They think that God is coming to punish us. God is coming. They confuse disappointment with life with disappointment with God. They confuse the world's a messy, horrible place. God must not be a very trustworthy leader. See, it's confusion. And so they think, you know, if I run away from God, I run away from my fears, Right? When he says, listen, this friend said that the, the truth is the opposite. When you run away from God, you discover your fears, okay? The, we, we looked at this uh, in the fall of this year, the book of Genesis, the very first sin in the Bible, where sin is really defined, right? Before the word S-I-N is used, what is the very first sin in the Bible? Well, it's, it's God's creation, and God creates people. Genesis chapter 3. And what is, this, what is the very first sin? The very first sin is these people that God has created saying, listen, God, thank you for all that you've given me. Appreciate all that you've done for me. But I, we want to live life on our own way. We're not, we don't need you anymore to run our lives. We want to navigate our own lives on our own. Now, when they made that decision, Genesis chapter 3, we looked at it. What resulted was something totally unexpected which is a way to think about sin in our own lives, right? You, th- this investment I'm gonna make, this relationship I'm gonna do, this little side relationship I'm gonna do, whatever the case may be, we think it's going to have one kind of outcome and we're very surprised very often by what it results in. Well, that's, that's Genesis chapter three. And what was the surprise that the first people discovered when they decided to do life on their own? Two things, shame immediately, the first time shame's ever felt or experienced, a sense of feeling bad about who I am, not what I've done, and fear. The voice of the Lord came. Where are you, Adam? We heard your voice and we hid, wait for it, because we were afraid. Okay? Afraid. There's a lot of reasons to be fearful in this world today. I, you don't need me to tell you that. Of all times, we're living in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. But what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples in their day is, listen, organized evil is a real thing. In this world, you will have trouble. Do you realize twice in this passage, sometimes we overlook it because it's so, it's one of these things that's too hard to swallow, right? I have so much more to say to you. Imagine you're sitting there, but the prince of this world is coming. What's he talking about? He's not talking about, you know, uh, 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 you know Billy Graham. He's talking, the prince of this world is a, is a euphemism, is a, is a cleaned up way to talk about the devil, right? He's saying, listen, I'm leaving, you're staying, but I got more to say to you, but the prince of this world is coming, okay? But what he wants, why, why would Jesus say that? Why bring that up? Here's why. End of verse 
30. He has no hold over me. Okay, this is what he wants to say. He's saying, listen, there's a narrative. You've had people say this to you before. Like they say, listen, something's about to happen. And I know what's going to happen. Maybe parents do this with kids. And I just want to give you an insight about it, right? And, and you may not understand this, but I love you so much that I want to I help you interpret something that I know is going to happen that's really going to upset you. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying the narrative that's going to be told in a few days, friends, is that God's great love, God's great plan of sending the Messiah into the world was a total failure. And that when he hung up on a cross, when he was beaten and arrested and killed, this great hope, this man who stirred people's hearts, who our hearts were, were, were burned within us when he spoke, we thought he was God's gift and he was defeated on the cross. He said, I want you to know something. People are going to say that that was a defeat, right? That the powers of evil, the prince of this world, all the organized evil brought God's plan to him. But I want you to know something right now. There is an evil, but that guy has no hold over me, right? And he says, let me tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is Bible language, but it's what he's saying. But when he comes, he's talking about the devil. This is amazing, right? When he comes, or serves me, but he comes so that, I circled that in my Bible. Why does the devil come? Or, Or at least one reason. So that the world may learn that I love the Father. What? The devil comes into the world so that the world may love the Father in a manner of speaking? Yes. God's saying, listen, the author of this great drama is me. Okay? And the devil may think, even Paul will say this later in the book of Corinthians, if the, if the, if the powers of this world understood what they were doing, they never would have crucified the Lord Jesus, right? They thought they were bringing an end to God's plan, but he said, listen, the organized evil that helped Host, hoist Jesus Christ up on a cross, they were accomplishing God's purposes. Because Jesus says, I only do what my Father has commanded me, and my Father is the one that put me on this cross. I was born to die, not so that the devil had nothing to do with it. He's got no hold over me, and here's the message to you, friends. If he's got no hold over me, if you're in Christ, he's got no hold over you. That's what he's trying to say to his disciples. He said, is this world full of trouble? Yes. Is this world sin cursed? Yes. Is it still a rocky ride? Yes. In this world, you will have trouble. But let me tell you something. If you have my peace, if you know me, if you've you've opened your life up to know the peace first with God, your sin has been forgiven in Jesus. That's why I died for you. That's why God sent me. And you know the peace of God that may rule in your hearts, then he has no hold over you. Right? Your sorrows may not diminish. We might have some more bumps along the road, but your fears should diminish. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, Jesus will say, because I've overcome the world. Okay? I've overcome the world. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. I think this is a great interpretation of these words. Listen very carefully. What is Jesus saying in this big boy and girl talk to his disciples? This is how love is made complete among us. So that we have confidence on the day of judgment. Colon. In this world, we are like Jesus. What does that mean? Just sit with me for a second. In this world, we are like Jesus. Does that mean I'm 
divine? Does that mean I can walk on water? Does that mean I can perform miracles? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying in this world, we are like the Lord Jesus when he was in this world. We are someone, if we have the eyes and the heart, ears to open to it, if we are open to the, to the offer of my peace I leave with you, my peace I give with you, then like Jesus could face an oncoming freight train, like Jesus could face the darkness in his world, you can face the darkness in yours and not be overcome. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, which is what we're talking about, God's love, sacrificial love, perfect love drives out fear. What a great metaphor. This is how you're supposed to live your life. Is fear real? Yes. Is trouble real? Trouble is real. Trouble produces fear in my life and yours. That will happen until the day you die. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar. But that trouble and that fear need not need to run your life. Because perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect or mature in love. Okay? This is what Jesus is saying. The offer is peace, but let me tell you, what's, what, where does the peace come from? It comes from the knowledge and the experience of God's love. I only do what the Father commands me. The devil has no hold on me. I'm going to the cross because my Father commanded me to as a demonstration of love. And when that love goes from this little intellectual thing here and detonates in your heart and you understand what it is that God has done for you, how much he loves you, he sent Jesus Christ on a rescue mission. Yes, starting in a manger, but ending on a cross and out of that tomb as a rescue mission to show you how much he loves you. Well, then let me tell you something. You will know a peace that no fear um, can rob from you. That's what Jesus is saying, okay? I had the opportunity to spend time with a friend from this church who just passed away um, a couple days ago. But this was, this was maybe a week ago, and we were sitting, maybe 10 days ago, sitting together, and, and it was absolutely a terminal disease. He knew he only had days to live, and I was sitting there with uh, a member of his family, just holding his hand, talking to him, and we were talking and, and praying and and you know, paraphrasing some scriptures and just and, and let me tell you something. Two things I saw in that room. Number one, there was sorrow. Right? When anyone that's gonna die and knows they're gonna die, and there's members of their family even in the room, is this in this case, there is sorrow. Your sorrows may not diminish, but I didn't see one hint of fear in his face. And we talked about a few things about heaven, and there was a confidence, right? A confidence. For, uh, let me, look, these words, the Apostle Paul, I think my friend could have said them. 2 Timothy 1.12, listen to these words. That is why I'm suffering as I am. The Apostle Paul is talking about his own suffering to his, his protege, Timothy. Yet, this is no cause for shame, Right? In this world, we will have trouble. It's no cause for shame. Why? Because, watch this, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I've committed and trusted to him against that day. That's what my friend was telling me. Am I sad to leave my family? Absolutely, I am. But I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he's able to finish the job and there's no fear there's sadness, but there's no fear. Is that your story? Is that my story? 
Only the peace of God that passes understanding can give you that and give that to me in a world that is full of trouble. Amen? Amen. Last thing Jesus is saying. The antidote to fear is peace. The antidote to fear is peace. I, I did finish my, I did make it home, okay? <laughs> Obviously, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't make it home. And um, I made it home um, partly because there was, you know, I didn't know this then, but there's kind of like this one long boulevard that really runs uh, uh, north to south. And I, I found my way on. And once I got on that, I, I didn't know it, but I, I just stayed on that for a while. And eventually, that long boulevard, some of you know this geography, I hit a shopping plaza, and when I saw the shopping plaza, I was home. I mean, I, I knew how to get home from the shopping plaza. So I made it home. But it wasn't the last time in my life that I was lost, and it wasn't until another 10 years, okay, that I came to know the peace that I'm talking about here today, okay? But even though that was the case, I learned a very important lesson of faith as a a young person at that time and it was this that fear is temporary and it can be overcome see I did make it home fear is temporary and it can be overcome my mother um, before she died a handful of years ago uh, she had this little gallery of pictures next to her bed of her kids she has six kids and the picture she had of me was this picture of um, a baseball picture of me playing baseball. And I asked my mother, I said, you know, um, you know, she just random picture. I said, gee, Ma, why that picture? You know? And she said, I chose that picture because I love the look on your face, she said. She said, there's just this look of, of um, confidence and courage in your face. And, and even though that picture was taken a three or four years after the incident I told you when I looked at that picture it's in the same baseball field where that other experience happened okay in this world you will have trouble Jesus says John 16 33 this is how Jesus ends by the way the, the, the Olivet discourse so to speak or I'm sorry the, uh, the, the upper room discourse in this world I have told you these things. I'm sorry. These are his last words to his disciples. I have told you all these things so that in me you might have peace. See? It's not in the world. It's not in your career success. It's not in your relationship success. It's not in your, your 401k. It's not in the end of the coronavirus or the beginning of the... It's not in any of these things. In this world... I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now he says it one more time. In this world, friends, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. Why? Because of the legislation happening here and there? Because some theorist is telling you that all's well? Because the vaccine's coming and I'm glad? No, he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Right? That's what he's, see, what he's saying is the devil's coming and it's going to seem like a defeat, but guess what happens on the third day? He rose from the grave, right? I've overcome the world. And if I've already overcome the best the world can throw at me, if you have my peace, you can face anything that comes your way. Amen?
So let me say this, um, guys. One, if some of you maybe in this room or, or, or listening online, you, you've, you've never really experienced, kind of like I was as a kid, you know, you've experienced some temporary relief from your fears, but never truly experienced the peace that passes understanding. You've never opened your life and, and really experienced an otherworldly, something outside of yourself, something supernatural, something that comes from God, that comes into your life, satisfies the deepest fears, the deepest shame, explodes God's love in your heart such that you can face life with confidence because of what God has done for you. You've never experienced that before. That's what Jesus offers. That, by the way, is what Christmas is about, right? He came into the world. The, good, he, the, the angels said to the shepherds, peace on earth, good will toward mankind. It was good news. And the baby that was born was born for a purpose, that he would give his life eventually for the sins of the world. I do what my father commanded me to do and he commanded me to do that for you and for me. If you've never received that, friends, I would just say this. Right? This is what Christmas is about. Open your life to it. To as many as received him, John 1, 12, same author. To as many as received him, this is a gift. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't get your act together for it, you can't say, well, I'll, I, 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 next year I'm gonna do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stop my bad life. I'm going I'm to get my act together. You'll never get your act together because it's from the outside in. It's, a, it's God's great gift, right? And you have, it's as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons and daughters of the living God. That's how you become a Christian. You receive it. It's a wonderful gift beyond anything you've ever imagined. So that's what I would encourage you to do in the quiet of your own heart and uh, in the quiet of your own place. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But let me say this to the rest of you. You know, certainly in this room, perhaps. Uh, you're Christians. How does this message apply to you? Listen, the peace, there's peace with God. That's like a transactional peace. I've been forgiven. I was on my way to hell in a manner of speaking. I, had, I was separated from God and I felt that. And God has now brought me, he's, he's, he's removed what separated me, which was my sin. And now I've been, I have peace with God. But the Bible talks also about the peace of God. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Don't let fear steal. There's a lot of people who are Christians who are still living um, by the, uh, uh, the dictates of their fears. Their fears are still running their lives. In Christianity, even our Christian faith just becomes a way to manage our fears, right? That's true. But Jesus says, listen, open your, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, right? That's a choice you make every single day, right? You can stand in front of your darkness, whatever it might be, and have complete calm, like Jesus did, like Paul did, like my friend did who faced his own death, you and I can do that today. Amen? Pray with me. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come to you this morning. 
with open hearts and minds to receive your peace. Help us in our day to be like you were in yours. May the peace of Christ rule in our hearts since as members of one body we were called to peace. Promised Holy Spirit, help us to know and experience the love of God deep in our hearts, in our beings, that we might live with confidence and be agents of peace in a troubled world. In Jesus' name, amen.